Bay's episode 47. I am Mira, your host. I'm here with McReese. That's correct. And Hayes. Er, I'm cold. I just got back from the mountains. No, he didn't. We uh, skipped a week. You can probably tell. It's been a few weeks since we had the last. I've thought out. How tired (laughs) are your arms? From skiing with his arms? What? What? I don't understand. What's this guy talking about? I don't understand this joke. How does the chicken cross the ski slope? What what does height have to do with that? Because I had a joke about this. You know what? All right, time to time to start over. <laughs> Welcome to episode forty-seven of Beam Me to Sick Bay. I'm Mary Rose. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we're not actually. Starting I'm back over. from the mountains. Yeah, Hayes is back. He skied. <laughs> um, I. Uh, how are you, how about you, McFreeze? Did you ski? I didn't ski, but uh, it was cold outside. Baby, it was cold outside. Not to reference a very problematic song or anything, but you know, oops, I did. Uh, let's talk about the fucking Star Trek. The weather outside is frightful. <laughs> that's not even the right song. Is that not it? it? No. No. That's... No, wait, it's Let's Snow. Shit. Let it snow, let it snow. That one is not problematic. That's your family-friendly, um, hanging out in the snow cold song. It's not about date rape. That's true. Mm, probably. I bet there's I, something problematic in there. We could look through the lyrics and figure it out, probably. But instead, we're going to talk about um, Star Trek. Yeah, I have nothing to report. We, um, like I said, we took a we took a couple weeks off there, um, by accident, and it happens sometimes. You know, we get busy. We got lives. We 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 uh, we're, we're here now. Damn it, that's what matters. And we're going to talk about Data's Day. And guys, this episode's good. Finally, a whole day of Data entire day for our friend data i have bad news what's your bad news i thought this was a pretty you got him infatuated with this episode i thought it was like pretty good okay as long as you weren't gonna say it was bad then i would no 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 no, no. that's (laughs) physically physically impossible but i i just you know it's it's okay it's fine it's fine it's fine it's i wish like i wish it was weirder in a weird way you know what i mean yeah they could have bumped up the stuff that they they encounter on the ship as data's walking around but at the same time like what wasn't it years ago that you seasons ago i should say in the show that you said something about just wanting a slice of life episode and here it is here is the slice of life episode you can't get much more slice of life than this where there is like there is an intrigue plot but it's almost nothing in the fucking episode it could have been even less is my is the thing i wish the stupid (laughs) fucking that stupid fucking romulan thing didn't exist at all i didn't i didn't like i i was actually disappointed That they kind of dropped the uh, O'Brien and Keiko like sort of marriage mishap thing, like you know, it resolves itself again, yada yada. But I was I was hoping it would be more of like a wacky hijinks episode where Data has to try to figure out how to make the wedding happen mm. on time. If Data doesn't, he can't do that. He doesn't know how to. Exactly, of course work. he can't do that. That's why I want to watch it happen. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know how to do nothing. <laughs> Um, but I no, just, it, it, I liked, it was a good one. I just liked the parts where a plot happened and then the plot walked off the screen and wasn't seen again. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that a lot. I really like like the whole episode is pretty much just from Data's point of view, and that's good because he like he'll see Data just walk away and like like goodbye, Vulcan Ambassador. We don't need to see you anymore for 20 minutes. Although Data has to go check out Jordy getting a haircut. As good as Data is in this episode, I think Worf steals the best scene of the episode. <laughs> Worf is good at that. That's a, that's Worf's thing. <laughs> he just shows up as the best scene of the fucking episode. Fucks off. Oh, um, to elaborate. Before we get into it, we do have one email uh, regarding the last episode that we uh, talked about, which was Troy. Remember when Troy lost her powers, her psychic thingy? Bullshit. Yeah, they they were in a the forty chess entity. Yeah, they were in Flatland. Two um, D, excuse me. It was Troy's day. But so this email is from uh, Benjamin Moore, and this email just reads: "The best Troy episode is when she gets drunk in first contact." <laughs> I don't remember this. It's been so long since I've seen First Contact, and now I really want to rewatch First Contact. I'm excited to watch all the movies with you guys. 
all, all of them. Yeah, we're gonna watch all, all the movies. All of them. It's like it's okay. like two. There's like two movies, right? It's like four. There's like four TNG movies, I think. I it's, it, it was four, right? Uh, no, you haven't. You have not. You've never heard that. Heard, you can't I, even I, tell that lie. I've heard they're amazing. I hear <laughs> you know, you know Imagine they star Patrick Stewart on, on the scene. They canceled season eight so they could make those movies. You better be grateful. That's really depressing. That is really. I didn't know that. That's sad. That makes me sad inside. Mm. Although considering some of the episodes in season seven, maybe it was the right choice. Wasn't season seven like a very definitive like finale too? Yeah, yes. because yeah. they were ending the show. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So I I see what you're saying. Like they would no. They had they out. had uh, they had the actors contracted for eight seasons. Oh. And they just didn't shoot it. Oh. There's like we gotta get that movie money flowing. Well, I'm Maybe sure they I'll did watch... get money from it because people did yeah. see them. Unfortunately. I don't know. Well, were they that popular? Because that last one got canceled. I do know. I do know that much. Um. I mean, yeah, TNG was was. I feel like it was a big deal back then. Well, I I I know TNG was popular. Were those movies popular? <laughs> well, I mean. TNG was, and therefore the movies, like the first couple at least, I'm sure, until people I'm, finally I'm sure, caught on. I'm sure everyone saw that first one. How many people well, do you think? The thing is, too, that the um, the original series movies, people really liked those, like a lot. Like that, those right. were really definitive, and they kept the Star Trek uh, name kind of going for a long time. And so I think that, that that did draw a lot of people to the TNG movies as well. I think you could argue the original series movies are more popular than like almost the show itself. I, I know more about the movies than I know anything about the the original show. They're definitely more popular. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking yeah, Spock movie, Khan. I don't really know much about the original one, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's much more um, definitive of what Star Trek became than the original series. Because I mean, almost nobody watched the original series. It was not high in ratings. It didn't last very long. Yeah. And then uh, then there were movies and people really liked them movies. That's, that's my understanding anyway. I don't know. I wasn't there. I've still not watched any of that shit. So anyway, hey, so day to day. What about episode five of the original series? I'm just gonna. I'm just. I should just watch episode six. (laughs) I'm just gonna skip forward. We're gonna skip that rape episode. I hope you get you skip it and you get to episode six. Just like twice as much rape in the next episode. It's. It keeps happening. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know what doesn't have any of that though? Data's day. That's true. That is accurate. Data's day is a pure adventure for the whole family. Seriously, though, this episode is fun. I have a question. What's your question, Hayes? Has there ever been a reference to Keiko before? No, never. This is the introduction of Keiko. And I forgot that this was her introduction. I had, like, assumed in my brain that there was at some point where we would see her and uh, Chief O'Brien dating at some point. Or maybe their introduction. You would, as a character, that exists. Yeah, but no. You would think. She is. This is the introduction of Keiko, and uh, this it's funny too. Going back in retrospective, like you don't get this because you haven't watched all of DS Nine, because Keiko's in all of DS Nine. <laughs> so, yeah, this is where she comes from. Is this one silly episode? It, it's very weird. It's a really strange way to introduce the character. It Data, is. Data, you've been working with Keiko for years. She <laughs> respects you so much. She's one of your best friends, Data. Is Data being gaslit in this episode? What's happening? <laughs> no, I think we, the viewing audience, are. I think that's what's happening. We also, this is the first time, isn't it, that we see uh, Data's cat? Yes. Yeah, this, and, I, and he doesn't even name the uh, spot in this episode, does he? I think they just, like, he has a cat, and they don't even talk about that's his true. name. But the, the cat is Spot. That is uh, Data's cat Spot. We will see more of Spot in the future. We love Spot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Brent Spiner did not love Spot. Well, oh no, he loved he loved the idea of having spot. Um, no, I have a, a quote that's a friend of mine pulled up because I was talking about this episode when I watched it like a week ago. And uh, let me find it in my notes here. Um, ba, 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 ba. All right. So during an interview in the 2010 Wizard World in Philadelphia, he said, Brent Spiner said in a joking manner, that he thought the cat was the stupidest actor I've ever worked with, saying that he never took a piece of direction ever, 
except for one time where they, presumably the writers, wrote in, Spot eats tuna out of a can. Spiner added, and he did it on the first take. Otherwise, we were there all day with that cat. I saw it. He ha- it happened in this episode. Aren't I saw there, the like, tuna. He was very happy about that tuna. Aren't there, like, actor cats you can get that are, like, trained and shit? Yeah, but I think uh, you can't train a cat to act that much. <laughs> like, you do your best, but cats are not the brightest creatures. You can they they can follow like eh, cats man. I th- I think that Spot's actor does a fantastic job, but maybe they took like eight hours <laughs> of takes of that that cat. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, the premise of this episode. Um, oh, let me read the specs of the episode before we start talking about it. Um, bu- 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 this episode first aired January seventh, nineteen ninety one. The teleplay was written by Harold Apter and Ronald D. Moore. The story is by Harold Apter. It was directed by Robert Weimer. And the in-universe date is 44390.1, solar year 2367. And this is the one where Data is recording a series of personal logs to Bruce Maddox about his uh, relationships with people on the ship. And it's sort of a slice of life episode. And also there's a wedding. And also some shit with some Romulans. Who cares? Absolutely insane that he has like a good relationship with Maddox. Well, and this is the second time it's come up. If you remember the LOL episode, too, he uh, had been exchanging notes with Maddox about um, about the brain development, and that's what, what helped him create LOL, if I remember right. Right. Well, like, he doesn't hold I, grudges. I, so. Yeah, and I think it's rad. Like, And I think it's 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 rad, too, that, that like Measure of a Man, we're talking about Maddox from Measure of a Man, if for anybody who doesn't uh, remember that. Uh, the end of that episode where he was so moved and realized his mistake and uh, apologized to Data wholeheartedly. Like, I love the continuation of this because it means he really did mean it. Like, he realized he was being a bigot and an idiot and he was like, I'm so sorry, Data. And now now they have a working relationship and that's really cute. Mark, Yay. Can, Mark, can I ruin Star Trek for you real fast? Absolutely. Okay. In Star Trek Picard, Maddox is a villain that wants to enslave uh, <laughs> androids. Are you serious? Like 90% sure. <laughs> up right now (laughs) oh my god is that real um Mm. bruce maddox Mm. star trek picard i don't understand any of this shit (laughs) there's a lot in this uh wiki page there's I'm never watching Picard. <laughs> Reading these I, descriptions I, of things that are happening, I'm like, eh. Maybe I'm, I'm like, wrong. Maybe maybe he's a benevolent uh, android engineer in Picard. But I'm pretty sure I read that he becomes, like, a dude that just fucking... Like, because in... in I'm not going to get into Star Trek, Star Trek Picard in the show. I barely know anything about it. But I do know that there are, like... One of the, the points of the show is that, like... There's an entire enslaving of android people in the future, and Picard has to help stop that. I think Maddox is involved in that whole situation. It seems like a miserable show. Yeah, I don't like that. I'm just going to pretend that Picard is not canon. (laughs) I think that's what most people are doing at this point. Data just has a good relationship with Maddox. It's cute. Let's move on. (laughs) No, but he... uh... He's recording a personal log to Bruce Maddox to give him more of a, a, a primary source of information on his programming relating to a friendship for him, especially. So he's recording observations from a day in his life, hence the name of the episode, for Maddox. So on the bridge, uh, Riker relieves him of duty 15 minutes early because Riker says it's the big day and asks if he's nervous as the father of the bride. And uh, Data notes in his log that at, at first he had trouble with friendships since human emotions were so baffling to him, but he developed a program to help him anticipate human emotional responses, and that's helped him a lot. Um, and I also like, too, the detail that, of course, Data works night duty on the ship because he doesn't sleep. So why why wouldn't any, why would anybody else work night? Why does he work day? Why, he, why he doesn't is... sleep. He probably okay. just works doubles all the time. Here's, here's yeah. my question. How come when it's daytime, they turn the lights on on the ship? <laughs> I would be, I would be, I would be pissed fucking off if I had to sleep with the lights off during night shift. I'd be trying not to fall asleep the entire time. It's probably um, okay. Here's just my my total spitballing on this, but like your circadian rhythms get fucked up with that kind of stuff, you know. So they probably do that just to help human circadian rhythms not get fucked up. Okay, here's the thing though: there's no night or day on the ship. 
I know, but that's why you simulate it with the lights, Hayes. It's like but wouldn't you want their circadian flux. rhythm to follow like But you want I think you want your people on the bridge to be awake though. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like you 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 you'd want the night shift to feel like their day shift. You wouldn't want them to feel like feeling like they're working at like two AM. Okay, you're making good points here. That <laughs> <laughs> doesn't make any damn sense. They should no, they all have be to whispering. be miserable. They all have to be miserable because they're working night shift, and that's just some uh, some things are just eternal. Some things know? are stressed death, beyond capitalism. Death, death <laughs> taxes and night shift sucks. They should only be allowed to get monster energy and pretzels as food. <laughs> ah, the diet of the night shift. No, I I drank energy drinks uh, when I was working night shift briefly, but it was the Bing energy drinks, the cherry ones that are Colorado brand. Mm. That's my little Colorado connection there to energy. Anyway, Data um, goes to see the bride uh, and, and he tells her it's time to go to the wedding rehearsal. And she tells him, and this is Keiko, who we were, who were talking about earlier, who we've never seen in the show before. Ever, <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever. Ever. And they've never mentioned her. Ever. She tells him that uh, she's decided to call off the wedding to Chief O'Brien. And since Data is so close to both of them, because, you know, Data and Chief O'Brien are like buds, too. Yeah. We always see them hanging out. Yeah. They love (laughs) transporting things. But apparently Data was the one who introduced them. Uh, She would appreciate it if he would go tell Chief O'Brien. Hold the fuck up back here. What do you mean Data introduced them? Yeah, Data introduced them. What is Data like getting people together in mixers? He's, you know, he, he's a very social android. <laughs> he does he does his best. I, I don't know. I can't picture it either. Now that you mentioned it, I cannot actually picture Data like, saying like, 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 oh, let me introduce you to the, <laughs> my friend Keiko. She's the botanist on the ship. You'll, you'll love her. No, he would just be walking around gawking at like a fountain or something. Yeah, we've seen him do that at parties many times. Does <laughs> <laughs> not introduce anyone. No, it's okay. It's okay. She's Keiko was just talking to Data, and she said, "Hey, you know anyone who's uh, you know, got good, nice curly hair, orange, uh, wears a yellow shirt, uh, likes transporting." <laughs> and Data has to think about it for a second, and he's like, uh, "I know three different people in the Enterprise that match this description." No, um. So she she would appreciate it. Keiko would appreciate it if he would go tell Chief O'Brien, uh, who she believes will be just as relieved as she is about the wedding cancellation. So so Data is off, you know, to to do a favor to his friend Keiko. And Data believes that because Chief O'Brien has made it clear that he cares about Keiko's happiness above all else, since uh, this decision will bring her happiness, as she says, it will also bring his happiness. So he goes to tell Chief O'Brien to turn forward. Um uh, who's there's chatting with uh with Jordy LaForge? He says, uh, "I have good news. Keiko has made a decision to increase her happiness. She has decided to cancel the wedding." Yay! Uh, you know, um, it does not make Chief O'Brien happy. Yeah, Day is like, this. huh? Why isn't he happy? I don't understand. Well, this is very strange to me. Yeah, I, I like that uh, Chief O'Brien, too, just walks off to be, like, um, talking about how, uh, oh, of all the immature, silly things to do or whatever, just, like, angrily grumbling. This episode made me to go back and try to view, like, situations like these to see if this is consistent with how Data usually acts, because I feel like he has more awareness than he usually does in this episode. Uh, or rather, in pat in the past, he's usually had more awareness of you know what reactions people are going to have to things. I but don't this know, episode, cause... he's like Mr. Magoo. <laughs> he is, but we we also I don't feel like we haven't really seen data in these uh, interpersonal kind of relationships before. You know, because it's it's, it's always true. yeah, it's always star starship business or whatever, and and he is very good in that capacity. But um, I remember when uh, Troy was getting married in season one and he was just at that party fucking gawking at everybody like he's very socially awkward. He's our poor socially awkward android friend and he's very relatable in that regard. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Data, uh, who has to go back to work now, goes to greet a Vulcan ambassador to Pell, who is being transported by the Enterprise. And uh, she immediately asks to speak to the captain. Data escorts her to Picard's ready room and Picard introduces her to Riker and she immediately says, leave us, please. 
and Data and Riker leave the room and the camera leaves with them. And a charming woman, Riker remarks as they leave, and Data notes in his log that the tone in Riker's voice makes him think that he is not serious about finding Ambassador Chupel charming. Damn, Data's so fucking smart. He's so smart. He just, his, he's got it. New, that's his new program. He can predict people's reactions to things. Oh, I love Data. Um, so Data goes to see Jordy at the barber. And I love, we, we finally get to see, like, like this episode's so good at showing, like, everyday things on the Enterprise that we don't normally get to see. So the uh, the Enterprise, of course, has a hair salon. Because people still have to get their hair done in the future. I mean, where else are they going to go? Why don't they just replicate a scissors my very first fucking thought they should they should have a rep they should have like a laser beam that cuts hair for them yeah you know what i bet the replicator could even give you perfect extensions indistinguishable from like you know the from anything else because you could just have you could just replicate your fucking hair it's no problem of all the things we've seen gone wrong with uh, replicators and transporters (laughs) do you really want to stick your head in a replicator and just say all right fix my hair up what what has gone wrong with a <laughs> Remember when they had that mysterious uh, glitch that was just like making holes in things and from a replicator? That happened you know? one time. It did happen one time, but imagine if that was your head that was in that replicator. <laughs> Man, it's not replicating my head, just there. They eat replicated food all the time. I feel like we're well past the point of like getting... Yeah. You know what I mean? They could be put putting arsenic in their bodies by accident, probably. You know, we're we, they. There is complete confidence in these replicators working perfectly, even though they don't. Well, you know what they do have is they have little handheld devices that can change your hair color, and that's pretty cool. That's cool. That's true. We do see that in the background of the scene, and it's just like, look at this lady's hair change color. Here you go. I'm waving this rod over your hair, and now it's red. <laughs> <laughs> and she loves it. Um. So Data goes to see Jordy though, and Who's he knows this dude. Uh, by the way, the That's barber, Jordy LaForge. No, the barber owns. I don't. I meant to look up what his species is because they show up sometimes in the show. The blue guys with the ridges Bolian. on their face. I love the blue bullions. Yeah, bullions. So with the bullion barber and Jordy are just like uh, talking smack to each other. You know, they're playfully trading insults, and and Data's witnessing this. And he notes in his log that this is another form of communication he has yet to master, but he's working on it with Jordy's help. And uh, he also notes in his log that he considers Jordy to be one of his best friends. And then Jordy asks him if he's there for a trim, and Data responds, My hair does not require trimming, you lunkhead. What did you say? What did you call? Jordy Jordy is actually taking offense to being called a lunkhead. (laughs) That was was more awkward what Data said, almost. (laughs) It was, but like at the same time... You know, this guy doesn't really joke around. If you had him call you a lunkhead, wouldn't you just take him entirely seriously? He really thinks my head is lunky. <laughs> he hates me. Call me a lunkhead. I would think that if Data called me a lunkhead. You think Data yeah. would? Ha- I would think his Matrix brain is fucked up. Yeah. Positronic brain, please. Did Lore replace him Matrix. again? That's what I would think. It was Lore. Um, uh, Data's the, been reading all those Sherlock Holmes again. Sherlock Holmes is always calling people lunkheads. Probably. Yeah. No one knows. <laughs> the The humor in this episode, though, is really good, where I really like how they uh, immediately do the, the punchline. You know, they have Data in his log, like, set something up, and then they'll just drop the next beat of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I found that very entertaining. I don't know. I still really love this episode, and I'm, I'm a little put off that he just thinks it's pretty good. I just, my ass. I just pretty think good it's pretty good. I just think it's pretty good. I'm going to explain myself here. Well, Data explains himself and says, oh, I was just trying to be, uh, you know, cute and funny. <laughs> and and Jordy's like, oh, OK. But uh, Jordy tells him not to worry about Chief O'Brien's reaction this morning because he was probably just surprised by the news and he uh, and knows that Keiko will change her mind because she just has cold feet. And uh, Jordy assures Data that the wedding will happen, and uh, so he has to go find a gift. This is this is amazing because Data actually looks up cold feet in his dictionary without asking what it is. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> growing as a person. <laughs> he doesn't he, even I mean, say. He, he says only like two synonyms of it. I'm I'm really grateful that the writers dropped that because it was so fucking annoying. 
Oh no, they seem to love doing it. I wish they would do it some more because they remember no. remember when that was every season one episode. He did it like four times an episode. Yeah, it was bad. He's a robot. It's what he does. It was an endearing character trait. Mm. No. no, no. You know what's endearing? What's actually endearing? As Data goes to the replimat where Worf is already hanging out, trying to pick out a gift for the O'Briens. Best in the episode. Why? <laughs> why do you gotta give a gift? They can replicate anything they want. This is it's very tradition. Silly. It's tradition. Who's who's replicating? Why is this kid replicating a stuffed bunny in the background? Why is this Worf's job? Why it's is... not Worf's job. He's he's shopping. Like this is him shopping at the replimat. <laughs> he's he's okay. in the. He's on the replicator and he's scrolling through a bunch of things that are wedding gift items, like a set of like a tea set and that kind of thing. Yeah. And my question about this is, was this a registry that was set up for the wedding party or does he just like ask the computer to show him wedding gifts? Show me gifts for human wedding. Or is this the wedding specific replicator? Maybe this is this is the wedding one. Uh, but Data asks him for his help, and Worf says, of course, I have attended human weddings before. And so they look through this cycling display of glassware, and uh, Worf tries uh, to decide what he wants, and he mentions that his adoptive human parents have given many gifts like this at weddings before. And again, these are just, like, the weird, the weirdest glass trinkets you've ever seen. Like, like I think they choose on, like, a glass goblet at one point. Yeah, it's like a, it's a pair of glass goblets. There's like a glass thing shaped like a swan that Worf is looking at. You have anything um, you want, as long as it's glass. That's it's a traditional wedding gift. You give someone some glassware. You guys are you're making a big deal out of like this kind of stuff. Uh, like you're making points that you wouldn't need to in the future replicate a gift for somebody because they could just replicate it themselves. It doesn't really matter that much. But I, I really do feel like uh, if if we had this technology in the future, like if this was the real future, this would still be how it worked because it is just such a human tradition. I, you know, I would simply give someone a replicator then they can make all the glass where they want. <laughs> well, good news. You don't have to re-gift anything. You just put it back into the replicator and change it into something you want. Yeah, you make your face at it and you just say, ah, I hate this. It's going back in here. You can become something useful. Mm-hmm. Easy exchange. Um, but yeah, I, I find this very uh, realistic in that way, you know? So Data asks Worf, though, if he's ever been a, a participant in human wedding before. And Worf answers with kind of a degree of disgust. He says, no. And <laughs> Data's like, well, would you not consider it an honor? And and Worf says, well, it'd be an honor, maybe, but human bonding rituals often have a lot of like talking and dancing. And, and Go Data off. Says, dancing. I have to dance. Fuck. Worf is right. He's so right. He's right. He doesn't want to do any of that shit. He doesn't want to talk or dance. He just wants to shop for his swan. Oh, this scene I also. Want... <laughs> now I want a scene where. Worf is just dancing on the bridge. <laughs> I cannot picture the scene in my brain. I, I, I can't believe I, they never had Worf just start dancing. We'd like, never uh, see Worf dance, I'm going to say, in, in the entirety of both series that he's in. He should. I bet he has some moves. You just, you just don't know about him. He takes his move to the holodeck to fight skeletons with. Mm. That's what he does with his moves. Mm. So in the sickbay, uh, the pregnant lady on the ship, um, who they mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, is going to have a baby. And and Data asks Dr. Crusher if she would teach him to dance. Like Data interrupts her, her looking at the pregnant lady to be like, hey, Dr. Crusher, teach me to dance. And so she pulls him aside immediately where no one can hear. And she's like, why are you asking me? And he says, oh, well, it's in, it's in your service record that you were awarded first prize at a tap and jazz competition. And he asks if he said something to upset her. And she explains, no, that was just a long time ago. And she doesn't want to know, be known as the dancing doctor again. Mm. But she, she tells Data she will privately teach him to dance as long as it's kept just between them. So Picard hails this, Data. Wait. This, this scene also, they are very close to each other. And there, to me, at least, there's a lot of tension here that is never seen again. It's just, I did not pick up on this tension. I it's maybe, like uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just that Crusher always has so much blush on that she always that looks. She I always think looks I think it's that. That could be. No, I I pick up that she was just embarrassed. You know, she was just like, you can't tell anybody about this. Nobody can know I can dance. The dancing doctor. 
Not the <laughs> dancing doctor. So at the bridge, uh, Picard is standing there with the ambassador, and he asks Data to pull a report of all their information on Romulan outposts in the neutral zone. He then orders Riker to change their course and heading uh, to take them right alongside the neutral zone. Data notes in his log that it's good that he can't be emotionally distracted from his duties because otherwise a sudden course correction towards the neutral zone would make him very nervous. It's so and, uh, weird. He like does this another time later after he talks to the, the spy. Um, it's like, how can he have a gut feeling about not having a gut feeling? Yeah, I know. Well, it's just like, it's, get some self-awareness, it's idiot. That Data does not understand what feelings are it's but like he does because he's saying, he's saying he's them like, out loud damn. to us the audience he's saying damn it sure is lucky that i can't be distracted and he's just looking all over things and not doing his job <laughs> yeah he's saying oh it's good i i would be very nervous if i could be and then he looks very nervous as he's saying i know this. i know <laughs> it's a good thing i can't be worried he says worryingly <laughs> good thing that sign doesn't apply to me because i can't read <laughs> Um, so Data reports to Picard and Picard asks him what his analysis of the Romulan ships in the area is. And Data tells him that he sees a policy of confrontation and testing the Federation's defenses. And that he thinks it is 90% likely this will continue in the future. Picard asks him if, if he detects anything, any potential friendliness from the Romulans and, Picard, and uh, Data says no. But the ambassador says that they, they should be cautious, um, but they still need to take this chance. And Picard says Starfleet agrees with her, but he still wishes that she would take an escort. And she just gives Picard an eye and Picard stops talking and dismisses Data. Like, oh, you got to leave, Data. We got to we talk privately here. So, uh, Spot, Data goes to his quarters and Spot is finally fucking here. We've got the cat. Data has a cat. Yay. I heard that the actor Brent Spiner loved this cat. It was inseparable. I've read that already. It says that the cat was Spiner's idea. Until, he's, until he started working with cats. <laughs> does it actually say that? It says what it says. It's what it says. And she gave Dana a cat. Then he has to do scenes with the cat. And he's like, this was a terrible idea. Kill this cat. Let me get this out of here. No! Yeah, kill the cat. <laughs> Don't kill the cat. He's, uh, anyway, Spot's a very pretty tabby. Very pretty orange tabby. He ends up and happily eats tuna. But Data uh, sits down to do some work and Spot like gets in his lap and is a, a nuisance, you know, just a, a normal cat stuff. Gave I gave you feline supplement 74 and you're still bothering me. I um, can't believe and this. Someone rings his doorbell, so he tosses Spot to the floor and says, come in. And it's uh, Chief O'Brien. Yay, Chief Yay. O'Brien. So <laughs> we get this log aside about... How he's learned, Data has learned that uh, when someone is distressed, he's learned that he should try to make them comfortable. So he asks Chief O'Brien if he'd like to sit down uh, or have a refreshment or if he needs a pillow or if he'd like to listen to maybe some Brahms. He's mm-hmm. very accommodating. You can't deny it's it. so accommodating. And Chief O'Brien anything, is just like, chill. I'm Anything a Chief O'Brien could want. Yeah. <laughs> he finally stops this and he asks Data to talk about Keiko canceling the wedding. Uh, to talk to Keiko about canceling the wedding. And uh, and Data's like, well, wouldn't Counselor Troy be a better uh, fit for, for talking to her about that? And, and he's like, oh, Troy tried already and it didn't help. And he just, uh, he, I, he needs someone to see, uh, make he- Keiko see reason. And Data re- really no one wants has, to say no here. <laughs> no one has more reason than Data. That's the right choice. He really, really wants to say no because this is out of his depth and he knows it's out of his depth and he's looking at Chief O'Brien like, I can't possibly fucking do this. But he's just like, you know, I'll try. And that makes Chief O'Brien happy. Poor Data. So he... He he notes in his... I don't have anything. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you interrupt me twice then? Um, he notes in his log that it's good that Keiko was calm and rational about this decision, as uh, she'll be willing to objectively analyze it with him. And uh, surprise, she's not actually, and she immediately demands Data leave her alone. I mean, it's not an emotional decision she's making. It's just a factual uh, mistake. I don't know why she can't even see this. It's very obvious. <laughs> oh, man. Data is just, uh, you know, the more I agree with you, Hayes. More of this episode should have just been this shit. Yeah, totally. Like I was, I was gearing up for this. I was like, "Oh, this is juicy drama." I don't know who the fuck this Keiko is, but I'm ready for the drama. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, just like then, fucking Troy has to come in and ruin things later. 
She doesn't ruin it. This is Data. This is actually... Don't leave him alone, Data. You gotta do boring stuff for the rest of the episode, Data. No, this is a really uh, this is a cute scene between him and Troy. Um, and it is. He, it actually is. He starts with saying that Troy is probably the person on the ship who's least like him because she uh, like has I, empathy for everybody else's feelings, and and so she ha- he has little understanding of her, and she probably has little understanding of him. I, I I actually do love that little intro there, where it's like they are they are so just opposed to each other that like they can't possibly understand each other on a certain base level, which kind of gives them a point of a relation in an ironic sense. Yeah. It's great. It is, and it's it's a connection with the characters that the writers haven't really worked with before. But I'm glad that they're like kind of including it now because, like, yeah. give me more data, Troy. I want to see that. Um, but uh, he asks uh, Troy if, as their friend, he shouldn't stand with them. No, uh, the the advice, Troy. Uh, sorry, I got ahead of myself in my notes. Data went to go get advice from Troy, and she gives him the advice to leave them alone and let them figure it out for themselves. And so he asks her, like, well, as their friend, shouldn't I stand with them in their time of need? And she says. Sometimes the best thing a friend can do is stand aside. Uh, and so he asks her opinion on on them getting married, like if she thinks it's the right decision. And she's like, I don't know. I mean, they're very much in love, but it takes more than that for a marriage. You know, it's it's an agreement to share your life with someone and uh, to grow old together. And and this catches on Data, who asks if that's an integral part of marriage. And she's like, oh, why do you ask? And he's like, well, because I myself am never going to grow old. But uh, I had thought about that I could get married one day because I think I have a lot to offer a potential partner. This is so fucking cute, you guys. Yeah. Is he going to marry a vacuum cleaner? (laughs) If he wants to, that's fine. I don't care. Yeah, if he wants to get sucked off. (laughs) That's where I was going. (laughs) (laughs) But no, this is adorable. Um, And I don't think I have ever loved Data more than this scene right here where he's just looking sheepishly at Troy like, but does that mean I can't get married? And Troy sits down next to him and and she gives him a little hug or something and she agrees that he does have a lot to offer a potential partner. Anyway, they should get married. It's great. Yeah, Data and Troy. It's very cute. But Ambassador Tupel interrupts this. Honestly, like almost uh, not not to get into the shipping wars. Um... (laughs) But uh, Troy and and Data would be like an interesting like relationship. I want just, just to like... see the sitcom of Data and Troy. <laughs> you know they made that. It was called Dharma and Craig. I don't know. I'll take your word. For it. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm what these the only person are. that ever watched any of that. I guess. But yes. Uh, I, I I do think it would be like interest. Like it would make sense for Troy to be into like the one person she couldn't read. I guess that also means she could be. That into, happened already. It, I guess that also means Troy could also be into a. Uh, oh a God, a Ferengi. Yes. Yes, Troy's going to marry a Ferengi. What's wrong with that? Why are you laughing? What's, <laughs> what's wrong with the Ferengi? Her, remember how much her mom Racist? loved that idea when they did this. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It was, oh. No, oh yeah, that was her. That was her mom. She was talking to the hologram, and she said, "Well, oh, I can't read you. That's so exciting." <laughs> that is true. That did happen. See? No, like, yeah, you're right. That was true. She, I mean, and yet she locks on a hates Ferengi. You know, go figure. It's just go figure. Mm-mm-mm. Pretty, pretty superficial of her. She only attracted to human men. That's what I'm saying. Well, she's just a little racist. It's fine. I think she's more than a little racist, probably. <laughs> she is a uh, nobility, you know. Mm. What are you going to do? I, I have no idea if that's a thing about nobility, but I'm just going to say it is. They're all racist. <laughs> Sorry if you're a count and you're listening to this. <laughs> We're going to get so many emails <laughs> from <Sorry>. Earl's. <laughs> Lord 8-Bit out there is going to be letting us know what he thinks about us. <laughs> Uh, so um, Ambassador Tupel hails Data, though, away from this cute scene and asks him to come to her quarters. Ooh, no, it's, um, he goes to see her and she tells him that uh, she needs to know the deflector strength of the Enterprise. And he explains that uh, because she gives him a security code for this and he explains that while her security code is valid, he has the same safeguards as the ship's computer and inquiries like this must be reported to the captain. And so she gives him like an alarmed look and he observes that uh, that she has given him that look. But she says, oh, I, I don't really need the information. I was just testing the security protocols of the ship uh, and I'm canceling the inquiry. Now, my mm. question here, Data, why didn't you report this? 
No, it was canceled. Well, she canceled so yeah. And he's a stupid robot that's never had a thought in his entire life, apparently. He walks <laughs> away thinking to himself how suspicious this is. Saying, no, no, well, no. He, he, he okay. says, man, if I was a human, I would think this is suspicious. <laughs> he says, if only I had some gut feeling that would tell me if I was suspicious of this or not. <laughs> it's so stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Like, it, even if. Even if, you know, he wasn't clearly just suspicious of this whole thing. That's the kind of thing you would report. That is the kind of thing you would report. Yeah, dude, because she made the inquiry, even though she canceled it, you still have to report that she made that inquiry, that she wants to know this information. You know, that's because that's part of the fucking security protocol. That's why it exists. Yeah, and he also in his nog he notes, well, it's uh, I know that Vulcans can't lie, so she must be telling the truth. So therefore, I do not have to report this. And it's like data. Hey, hey, you, you made a request for classified information. I have to report this. No, don't. Well, okay. He has <laughs> an important dance lesson to go to. That's true. Okay. That's true. This is the actual best scene in this episode. Sorry to Worf. It's pretty damn good. It's, it's pretty, pretty damn good. good. We're not going to be able to describe this scene uh, in justice. So uh, if you've not seen this episode, uh, you should go and look up this on YouTube. It must be there. You, you could just, you know what? I'm going to go on Discord right now. I'm going to press the GIF button. And I'm going to put in Data Dancing. No, you need up. the whole scene. You don't need just like a bit of it. You want the whole scene here. I'm also getting some disappointing gifts out of this. Let's see, there you go. There you go. You got to look for Tata and Dr. Crusher dance. The fuck? The, the Star Trek data. You really can't do the scene justice. All I can say is ice skating data. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the, the gist of it, though, is that she starts to teach him some tap dancing. And so he like is watching her feet and he observes her footwork and then dances along with her. And because he's a robot, he picks this up very quickly. He's very good at it. Um, and she teaches him like the whole lesson, like they go step by step and he's like, just, you should t- uh, skip ahead to the final step. And so she, they do the whole dance and they're dancing and they're doing this crazy time dance. <laughs> Data is like fucking ice skating with his arms. And also I'm pretty sure that they have a stunt double doing the dancing. Cause there's one scene where you like see Data, like looking at feet and it's definitely not fucking Data in that scene. Got a Data's feet looker nowhere here it just it was not brent spiner i think it said uh some of it was brent spiner because he actually did have tap dancing experience but then uh he wanted a stunt double for some some of the shots because he was not confident well and that makes sense too because he's not a professional tap dancer and they could simply hire one who is even though he's had the training you know what about gates mcfadden I don't know if Gates McFadden is a tap dancer or not, but I feel like if she's not, then they really uh, made a weird scene here. <laughs> she just got lucky. She I really don't know. I forgot to look this up. I'm seeing a YouTube video of Gates McFadden, bleh, Gates McFadden doing a tap dance thing in Florida. So I think she might just do tap dancing. <laughs> well, they don't like have Florida might. on Star Trek, so must be real. Oh, McFadden did the choreography as she is a well-known Hollywood choreographer long before Next Generation. So, yeah, there you go. Huh. Huh. She truly is the dancing doctor. Holy shit. <laughs> that, that's really funny. I wonder if she just would, like, bring up occasionally, like, you know, I can do some tap dancing choreography if you guys ever want to. And then they well, found their chance. <laughs> I, I'm sure she didn't even have to bring it up like that, but it's just something they knew about her and knew that she could do. So they're just like, hey, right. what, if we, what if we fucking worked her tap dancing and one episode <laughs> of Star Trek? Yeah. How would we do that? Maybe this, maybe that was the basis of this entire fucking episode. How do we get Data and Dr. Crusher to tap dance? <laughs> can you, I wonder, can you get a doctorate in dancing? I don't know. I don't think you can. A lot of the fine arts uh, only go up to masters. There aren't a lot of doctorate programs for um, wow. for fine arts. But I don't know specifically for dancing. Somebody who does know should email us at bemeetasickbay at gmail.com. They really got to get on that. I want a dancing doctor. Well, you could simply find a doctor who has uh, minored in dancing. Like Dr. Crusher here. Hmm... Oh, anyway, yeah. after this this extensive dancing scene, which seriously, if you've not seen it, look it up. Um, he, he she's worn out, and she's like, "Oh well, all right, you're uh, 
pretty good. And, you know, you've picked up the basics and, um, and he thanks her and he, he's like, so, so I'm, I'm, I've learned it all. Right. And, uh, and she's like, yeah, you're, you're good. You know, the basics. And, uh, he's like, all right, I'm now prepared to dance at the wedding. And she's like, wedding. <laughs> just the way he says that, by the way, is fucking incredible. <laughs> I am like, now prepared to dance the wedding. I'm all good. Peace. This is how I announced things when I was six. <laughs> what is Data if not a really big six-year-old? That's accurate. Um. So, so Dr. Crusher explains to him that they do not do a lot of tap dancing at weddings. And why is what he asks. She's like, I don't know, but let me just teach you a dance that's going to work instead. So she teaches him to slow dance instead, and he has much uh, a much harder time with this because it's it's more improv- improvisational, you know. And um, also, he, he she's he's told to look in her eyes, and then he keeps stepping on her feet because he doesn't know what the feet are supposed to be doing. So they they try it again, and he watches her feet <laughs> while they dance. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not laughing at feet in general. I'm just laughing at the scene. It's so cute and good. Um, I'm laughing he, at feet. She teaches him to tap dance and gets him to lead. And, uh, and then she's called away because that lieutenant is having a baby. Oh, yeah. So she's, so she's like, Dana, you should just uh, program yourself up a partner in the holodeck here and, and keep practicing. And so he makes a babe and they keep dancing. But we like, oh, there's so much in this scene. That it's impossible to talk about. But like the smile, the fucking smile. You got to talk about the smile. The worst. You have smile. remember, Data. Don't forget to smile when you're dancing. You know what? This oh is boy, actually does he. this is actually what made me fucking. You know, this episode's terrible because he does the best <laughs> smile ever in the scene, and then at the wedding he doesn't do it. Someone told him, "Hey, Danny, you're creeping us out. You gotta knock." Keiko was probably like, "Danny, calm down." He, he should have done. You have to admit the... that he should have done it during the he wedding. He should have done it at the wedding. Gotta tone it down like two notches here. Oh. <laughs> It's so because he's not even looking at his partner. He's just staring off into the distance with this big goofy smile on his face. It's so good. You can really tell he's having a great time with that smile. He's doing it. Ah, <sighs> data. So back on the bridge. Uh, th- this is where the episode starts to get boring. Back on the bridge, they've arrived at where they're now supposed to be, and there's a Romulan warbird in the neutral zone. For some reason, they just couldn't commit to having the entire plot happen off screen. They had to have data solve the puzzle except he doesn't really he kind of does oh well they they have a brief communique with uh admiral mendek from the warboard and uh tupel says that they should begin negotiations aboard the warbird and he concurs so she goes to beam over despite picard trying to convince her not to he's like we can easily host these negotiations here and she's like shut up i'm going so she leaves and beams over but uh o'brien immediately okay why are they making o'brien work on his fucking wedding day he likes it. <laughs> you know what? That's a great point. Especially especially right after he got fucking turned down. His wedding got canceled the last second. All right, well, Brian. There you go. His wedding's canceled. He doesn't have a wedding now. He's free to work. All right, Brian. Get on the console. It's time to work, bud. <laughs> You gotta stand there and beam people over. But no, O'Brien loses her fucking signal immediately and says exactly. she's dead. Exactly. You shouldn't have been on the console. He's fucking despairing <laughs> right now. You can't you can't operate the controls through the tears in his eyes. Well, this what the fucked up thing is no one even considers this human error as a consideration. Like, man, did the did this uh did this guy fuck up the transport? No, it must have been something in the computer. They have full Chief faith O'Brien in O'Brien. Would never make a mistake. Truly though, he wouldn't. He's perfect. Um, but in the transporter room, they're trying to sort out what happened, and there is no explanation for it because again, they didn't consider human error. But Data says an accident like this has has never occurred on a starship before because there are safeguards in place. And O'Brien at, says At some point they're like cleaning up like stuff off the the pad right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is that like I, I wonder like are we seeing like the direct aftermath of them cleaning off the pad and there's just like a bunch of fucking guts laying on there because they say <laughs> there's like material left behind in the most like vague way possible and to me it's just like that it's it would be like in that one scene and uh oh gosh what was the parody of star trek um uh, that had alan rickman and a Harry Potter. No. 
Oh. Um, Galaxy Quest. Yes, Galaxy Quest. You know how sometimes they'll transport stuff and it just shows up inside out. That's what I'm picturing showed up back on the holodeck whenever they try to transport uh, her. No, they, it seems to me more like it's just kind of a, a matter dust. Like It has ash. to be something. It can't just be fucking dust. That's so boring. It's, it looks like some goop. I, it? like, uh, some, I don't, I don't think it even was slime. anything. I think they were just, I think they just had an empty dustpin. Truly, if somebody, like, okay, so I'm not a physicist, but if somebody was being transported over like that and their their body just, like, dematerialized like that, wouldn't that cause a massive explosion? Oh, I mean, depends. like, what's the what, what is the material that's being transported? If it's like a shitload of oxygen, like, yeah, maybe that could explode. Um, but if you're just basically just creating a bunch of carbon mass and just de- and just making it fall in on itself would cause an explosion. I don't think. But no, like, did, you're splitting material. Did the matter go over to the other ship? Did it go out into space? Did it yeah, because if, if the matter seems energy. to have mostly disappeared and remained as energy, then it would be a lot more energy than like a person standing there. You know it what I mean? It would be a lot of energy. It would be you know, like you know a nuclear about, explosion. You heard about this EMC squared thing? It's a lot. <laughs> it's a, it, there's a lot of energy that comes from matter. So that's my question, and I don't understand, but I guess it's fine. Mm. I know. Transporters in general seem like a bad idea. <laughs> Yeah. If you really if you really start to think about how they could possibly work, it seems like a really terrible idea. You say that, but the funny thing is that we somehow had more shuttle accidents than replicator accidents. I think That's... it's good it's good that the reason for all the transporters and replicators is because back in the sixties they didn't want to budget for having shuttles. And so everything's <laughs> just been worked around that. It works out. <laughs> so uh Data says an accident like this has never occurred on a starship before because the safeguards in place. And O'Brien says the unit has been in perfect working condition. And Jordy concurs. Like they're looking at the logs, they're like everything has gone according to the book. Everything should be fine. Uh, and they're hailed by Admiral Mendek of the Romulan Empire. Mendek accuses Picard of staging this accident to sabotage the negotiations. And uh, they hang up and leave Picard. Uh, or they hang up and leave. And Picard orders Data to head up the investigation on this, as he refuses to believe that this is a simple computer malfunction. So after a montage of Data doing some investigative work, the montage is good. You got to admit, this montage of Data walking around and like looking at things and talking to people is is a good little montage. I, I truly didn't think anything of it. I'm sorry. I'm I sorry. thought it was cute, but anyway, um, he he's talking in his log about uh how he has gained a respect for Sherlock Holmes and how uh he has famously said that when you eliminate the impossible, all all that left is the what. What's the truth? uh, All that's left that, however improbable, must be um, possible, I believe. Right. Like when he eliminated that the Vulcan ambassador could be lying. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) However impossible. You know, he's not a good Sherlock Holmes, but he tries. But he didn't um, have the hat on. He asks Dr. Crusher, though, to compare the genetic sequence of the remains left on the transporter pad with the ones on record. And uh, they, there are base pair of mismatches and errors that look like it's replicated material. So, so Data presents this to the captain, saying that it looks like the Romulans spoofed their transporter signal and beamed the ambassador out and left the remains in to make it look like she had had an accident. So the warbird is already headed back to Romulus uh, through the neutral zone. And in his log, Data says the safest and most logical thing to do would be to contact Starfleet Command and await further instructions. But he thinks there is only a 17% chance of Captain Picard doing this. And sure enough, they go to Red Alert and chase the Warbird. I think this is a stupid thing for Picard to do. Really? Well, he thinks that a Vulcan ambassador is aboard. Like, he doesn't want to leave her to the Romulan Empire. Okay, he knows that they're going to torture her. Clearly, they already have one up on him. And so they probably have a contingency in place if they decide to be followed, even if this was like a real kidnapping. So, like, he should not chase them. He should wait for backup or something. Because if he chases them, he's probably going to be heading into a trap. Which, Case, the first duty of a Starfleet officer is to the truth. 
He has like families. You, you on gotta, the ship. you gotta find out the truth here. <laughs> he does have family. Who thought it was a good idea to put families on this fucking? Oh, okay, oh, okay, okay. So why didn't they do a saucer step? Is my next question. No time. There's no time for a saucer step. We gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just leave the saucer here by the neutral zone. Some Romulan's gonna come tow it away. <laughs> we'll throw it at a bunch of rivals instead. Uh, so they immediately, they immediately catch up with the Devorah, the um, Vulcan or the Romulan ship, rather. Uh, it drops out of warp and powers up its weapons. And Picard tells Mendek that he knows they've abducted their ambassador, and Mendek assures him that no one is being held captive on their ship. Um, and two other warbirds immediately to cloak, proving haste. Right. And Picard stands his ground and says he won't leave a Federation citizen like this. And he has this big stare down with Mendek. And Mendek relents because he's like, all right, I'm not ready to start a war today. So he gestures off screen and uh, Tupel walks over in Romulan uniform, introducing herself as Subcommander Salak. She's been a spy all along. Your shoulder is so big now. My God. It's unbelievable. No, honestly, um, she she looks better like this than with her stupid. Ass. Did did we mention the red cap she had on? She looks like a child. I never talk about Vulcan apparel. It's <laughs> that make so a point. Ba- it's so bad. I'm not here to, to defend Romulan apparel, but Vulcan apparel is truly horrid. Romulans have the better fashion sense. I'm gonna say it. Yeah, she's no, like, it's not uh, even a question. She's like she's basically a. Dressed as the Pope in a Final Fantasy game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's space elf. They're space elves, so they dress like space elves, and it's yeah. very stupid looking. There are there are cool space elves. I bet you know what the Romulans are the cool space elves. The Vulcans are the fucking uh, nerd wood elves. What was uh, Sarek wearing when the episode where we had Sarek? He he was dressed nice, wasn't he? His wife yeah. was dressed kind of stupid, but he was dressed. <laughs> Maybe it's just the Vulcan women. I don't know. Mm. Maybe Vulcan women have bad fashion. That's all I'm saying. That the well, I guess that one Vulcan nerd, uh, doctor was a, in Starfleet uniform. So. <laughs> she was just in a Starfleet uniform. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, the best. Yeah. <laughs> the best yeah. <laughs> so the best, the best dressed Vulcan we've seen so far. Uh, so um, three more warbirds are picked up entering the system, though. So the Enterprise hits the bricks and gets out of there. So Data saves the day. Yay, Data. Yay. So Data goes to save the day again by apologizing to Keiko for offending her earlier. And um, and she tells him, you don't have anything to apologize for, silly. Go get dressed for the wedding. And he's like, what? There's a wedding. So the wedding proceeds. <laughs> um, Keiko is wearing this beautiful pink kimono and they share a cup and drink together. I meant to look up. Is that a Japanese wedding tradition? I have no fucking clue. Uh, is, the, is, the, is that headdress thing that she was wearing, is that traditional? I think so. Okay. It looks very silly. I don't know if I'm being... <laughs> wow. 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 You know... Uh, you, by headdress, you mean hat. She's wearing a hat. Whatever that was. It was like a very wide circular thing with like a visor. I'm, I'm Googling traditional Japanese wedding dress right now. Because when, when I think of... Like we, got a, some, what... we got some hats. Oh boy, do we got some hats. <laughs> oh boy. Buddy, you weren't ready for these hats. You just saw dancing data. It's good. just a hat. Holy it's shit! A hat. Yeah, it's this a... is that kind of hat they should have had in the episode. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Whoa. Like, if she had that, I wouldn't have said anything. That's awesome. Holy shit! That's... I've heard of eggheads, but <laughs> they're nice hats. Uh, but but uh, Keiko here is just wearing like a floral bonnet, much more Western style, I think. That's what, so traditional. That's the, but her, that's, that's her the kimono. Irish part of this. He's, he's like, oh, Keiko, maybe. Keiko, you gotta wear the hat. <laughs> <laughs> um, Is that Chief O'Brien also... on the call? <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that was more Scottish than Irish, too. You always say that. Well, it might always be true, Ace, if you consider that. Let's hear, let's hear your Irish. Then. No, I can't even that's try. That's what I thought. <laughs> I would need. I'm gonna workshop it. I'll get back to you at some point. At some point, just, I'm gonna learn an Irish accent and I'll bust it do out. A, just do Moira voice. That's the <laughs> only way I can do it. I can't do Moira voice. I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> not, about not attempting it. it. I did think about it. I was thinking, what does Moira say? Unbelievable. That does see. That doesn't sound Irish either. Well, it didn't have any Irish vowels in it. Unfortunately, <laughs> that is I, the thing. That is the thing is that Irish accents sound a lot like American accents sometimes. 
I really can't think of many uh, Moira voice lines whenever I really, really think about it. I don't play her, so I don't know what she says. Name yeah. name McFreeze. Name what one Moira. Misery line. made manifest. Oh, oh that is one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's fair. That's when she throws a ball at you. Next <laughs> <Next> by wins. <laughs> that is not what Kiriko sounds like. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> This is now an Overwatch podcast. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we uh, so we get to see um, Data dance with Keiko at the West reception, also, but he does not have the big stupid smile as as Hayes mentioned earlier, which is uh, kind of sad. Chief O'Brien's just wearing a dress uniform. I want to see his space Irish wedding outfit. <laughs> they didn't even go for it. They were they were too cowardly. I guess because he's a military man, it makes sense so that he'd be wearing his dress uniform. Although he's not an officer. Why does he have a dress uniform? So he can get dressed. Ah. Uh, but this episode still ain't over yet. You'd think it would end with a wedding, but no. Um, we go to the sick bay later, and Picard is looking at Lieutenant Juarez's little baby. And, and he's saying to Data, at the same time we were facing destruction, this small miracle was taking place. Welcome aboard, he says to the baby. Cute little Picard scene. Picard hates children, but loves babies. That's his. Uh... We had to give Picard one fucking scene, I guess. He had a scene earlier. Well, oh, he's been in the episode. He was just there yelling at the Romulans. But he's got to yeah. have like a he's got to have like a Picard moment. Is the thing. Yeah, he's got to show how in touch with humanity he is. <laughs> but Data um, ends the episode with relieving Worf on the bridge and uh, finishes his log up by telling Maddox that. If to be human is more than being flesh and blood and is instead a way of thinking, he will continue to strive for it and try to be more than what he is, which is very, very nicely put. You know, good for him. Then he turns off the lights and everyone goes to sleep. <laughs> yeah, then they shut off the fucking lights for a night shift. Why do they have a night watch on the starship? So <laughs> they should not turn off the lights during night shift. <laughs> bad idea. Bad idea, y'all. Sometimes you just need to give your eyes a little rest. I, it sounds nice and relaxing to me. I don't know. Uh, I, also, I forget when this was. I think this was around the time whenever they were moving into the neutral zone. But Picard says, all right, hold hold fast, Ensign. And my, my heart left for a second there because I thought, I was thinking, oh, he's back. But no. no he's no. not back. No, they got more than one Ensign. Sadly, I know, I know. What? Why? Why do ensigns? Why, why do they steer the ship anyway? Someone's well, got to steer the ship. Pretty easy. So you'd apparently. get like the. Why would you get like one of the newest people to drive the fucking ship? It's like get that doesn't make any damn sense. What do you want them shooting the guns? <laughs> yeah, they're the ones helping aim aim the guns. Kinda, I guess. Yeah, because none of the none of the guns on the ship are gimbaled. They're all just hard points. I mean, they have the con position right next to it, too, which is uh, also at the helm, which is like a more experienced officer. So I guess I don't know. I'm sorry. I was just thinking about Wesley. I Bring back Wesley. <laughs> Wesley's coming back eventually. We'll you see gave him such again. a bad episode. You bring back Wesley. Wesley will return. Wesley will return after the break. Uh, the break is maybe a season of the show. I don't remember. What is the next episode anyway? I was so excited for Data's Day. I didn't even think about what's after Data's Day. What is the next episode? Oh, the wounded. We're going to get more Chief O'Brien. Hooray. You ready for some Chief O'Brien? We got Whoa. more. We got more <gasps> Keiko. Keiko's going to be back. We got Cardassians. We got fucking Cardassians are here in Star Trek for the first time next week when we talk about the wounded. But not now. The hell is this guy wearing? This is not what Cardassians wear at all. This they this was a prototype <laughs> Cardassian. They're they're working on it. You know they got to figure out how to put details in the armor. Yeah, they haven't quite got that far. So yeah, we'll talk about the wounded. Um, so thank you guys out there for listening. Sorry about the break again. We'll, we'll uh, try not to do that again. But if it happens, it happens. So uh, well, thank you for listening anyway. If you have any questions or comments, please email them to us at beamedisickbay at gmail dot com. We love to hear from you as always. And thank you, McFreeze, and thank you, Hayes, for talking about the Star Treks. Absolutely. Thank you, Data. I wish we had more Data's days. More days of Data, personally. Data only gets one day a year. No, I want more Data. I think, I think this is the only day Data will.